What's going on, fam? It's the entertainer, the motivator, the educator, Lucky Murray. I'm back with the Hoop Council podcast. Today, I'm interviewing a coach who is very successful at his school. He's just entered his fourth season as the head men's basketball coach at the Apprentice School. He built something up there, and he's doing an amazing job. I got Coach Key on the phone. Coach, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for having me. Well, the, the, I, I appreciate this conversation. Um, I have a basketball club where I, I do, you know, coach, you know, developmental skills. And the thing that I've always wondered is how can a kid play collegiate basketball? You, you have all these different pathways. And the, the one thing that made me want to interview you was you made a post that you was talking to a kid. And I'm summarizing here. You, you was talking to this kid as far as recruit. And you said, hey, our school is tuition free. And because you didn't say the buzzword scholarship offer, it seemed like he didn't really budge. So before we get into that conversation, I want you to backtrack and talk about uh, how you got into coaching basketball and how you got to coach at the apprentice school. Yeah, so kind of my my career journey has been somewhat unique. So, um I was a student at Hampton, and I, and I worked for the basketball team there as like a student manager for three seasons. Then uh, I was actually got my start into coaching uh, my senior year. Uh, while I was still a student at Hampton, I started coaching as a volunteer at Christopher Newport University, which is an NCAA Division three school about 15 minutes away from uh, from Hampton. So uh, I got my coaching start there when I was 20 years old, and I was probably younger than about half the team. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of success. We, we were ranked in the Division Three Top 25. We made the NCAA tournament, uh, won our conference championship, so had a lot of success. That springboarded me to, to coaching at Marymount University, where I, I served as an assistant there for a year. Um, from there, I went to Elmira College in upstate New York, where I was a graduate assistant. Coached there for two seasons, coached at Cuca College for two seasons. And then, uh, like, like most coaches, you know, I was keeping track of uh, – of the job search and, and, and things that might come open. And uh, I saw the apprentice school job had opened. It was in Newport news, an area that I was familiar with. So I sent my resume applied and, and, uh, and was fortunate to get the position in August, 2017. So here, you know, I'm not a graduate of the program. So I'm one of two head coaches on staff here that didn't come through the, the apprentice school as a student, but you know, I'm thankful for this opportunity to, to lead a program and I'm thankful for, the young men that I get to coach and the staff that we have in place here. So a little, that is a very uh, interesting, you know, story and the apprentice school. Could you talk a little bit about the school and how it's unique, unlike any other school in the country when it comes to the, the what the school offer, or what the school does? Yeah. So we're, we're probably the most unique school in the country. So all of our students here are employees of Newport New Shipbuilding and HII which is a Fortune 500 company, and uh, we specialize in building aircraft carriers and submarines for the U.S. Navy. So all of our student-athletes are, are learning a trade. And kind of like you mentioned in your intro, um, we're, we're tuition-free. So, like, we, we don't have a, a financial aid office. We don't have, um, you know, any kind of any, any kind of, kind of like, tuition assistance that's needed. Like, our school is free. And, uh, you know, in addition to that, all of our students are paid um, to, to learn a trade and to attend classes. So, like, a typical day in the life of one of our students. So, like, right now it's a Thursday. So, um, our, our guys are in class from 7 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Um, on days where they're not in class, the, the, they're working in their trade. Um, again, building these aircraft carriers and submarines for the Navy from 7 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. So, they're, they're paid. 
for a 40 hour work week and uh basketball takes place off the clock kind of like uh in the evening hours so you know we have guys who are doing welding electrical work ship fitting pipe fitting um guys who are doing hvac so it's a it's an assortment of different opportunities here but you know it's a good opportunity to start building a career at a young age and and that's one thing that i i thought that was so interesting uh because not only it gives you the best of both worlds you can work and play basketball that that is mind-blowing to me that these opportunities are coming up but i'm very curious to hear about how do you build a program with the basis of it where you got to work a 40-hour work week and oh by the way there's basketball too when you get off of work um i I can't say it doesn't come with its challenges you know like i I think to myself like after an eight-hour day you know, uh, do I always feel motivated to do extra afterwards? Probably not. So our student athletes de- deal with that as well. You know, like they're, they're working, they're, they're up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. in the morning to, to drive to the shipyard, find parking for class or for work. Um, they're obviously working a manual labor job or, or, or they're utilizing a lot of their mind for eight hours a day. And then, you know, we're, we're asking them to, to compete at a high level in college basketball for two hours after all that. So it, it does take a special type of person to be successful in this atmosphere. Um, what I can say is it's not for everybody. You know, like we, we've done a really good job of identifying and targeting um, student athletes that, that have the maturity and, and the love for the game enough to, to be able to balance, you know, what's a pretty packed schedule. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, the guys in our program really see the benefits. You know, they're, they're able to, to make money. They're able to support their, themselves and even their, their families if, if, if they're in those positions. So, you know, it's not, it's not an opportunity that, that you know, we, we take for granted. You know, we know that, you know, the work that we're doing is meaningful. But, you know, we, we really try to target the, the right type of person in the recruiting process. And that's someone that has a lot of maturity and has a – the academic aptitude to, to do well here uh, in our courses and also as a work ethic to be successful on the court and in the, in the classroom and on the job. So when you first took over, put you in that mindset, and when your first coaching, it was a volunteer base actually, but you helped that program get ranked and do very well. The same happened at the apprentice school. How were you able to have such success at a at a very short amount of time just coming to this particular school where, as I read, it was falling on hard times up until this point. Yeah, so the, the season before I got hired, apprentice school had only won six games. And, uh, you know, when, when I got here, I, I was 26 years old, so I was I was a pretty young head coach. But what kind of worked to my benefit then is I was single. Um, I didn't have any significant other when I first got hired. I didn't have any children, so – I was able to dedicate um, the majority of my time towards uh, toward towards building this program, towards recruiting, towards towards pouring into the young men that were already here. You know, building a foundation, building a culture. So I spent a lot of time working at it. You know, I spent a lot of time in the office. I spent a lot of time with our guys. I spent a lot of time building relationships in the community. You know, I had coached in upstate New York four years prior to coming back down here. So I had a you know for someone that wasn't from the area, you know, I had to come and and build connections and build a network. Uh, in addition to that, you know, I surrounded myself with good people. Um, my right-hand man for my first couple of years as head coach was Tim Sparks. Um, he, he's a local uh, local former high school and college coach in the area. So, you know, getting him on staff was pivotal. You know, he helped bridge a lot of uh, 
gaps between uh, myself and, and some different coaches in the community. And uh, he, he did a tremendous job kind of leading our recruiting efforts, especially in the, in the local area. So having him on board was pivotal to kind of developing a culture with us. And then, uh, you know, I've also had uh, some assistant coaches who have uh, played in the program and were students. So my current lead assistant, Michael Ganey, um, played for the apprentice school, as well as my assistant now, Brandon Joyner. Um, he, he played for me for, for, for two years and uh, is doing a tremendous job kind of helping with the program. So, you know, just just, uh, just really worked at it, surrounded myself with good people and, and found out what we could sell. Like, as you've seen, like, we're really active on social media. You know, we, we, we try to be pretty active on Twitter and just really spreading the message of what we have going on here. So that that is amazing. And and one thing that I want to talk about before we get into the the recruiting at the apprentice school, I want to talk about the level of competition. Uh, Right now, the apprentice school is a part of the USCAA. Uh, Talk a little bit about the difference between the NCAA or maybe NIAI that people may be accustomed to or JUCO and what the, 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 the competition level that the USCAA offers? Yeah, so the USCAA, um, we're in the USCAA Division One, So we're in the scholarship level of the USCAA. So what I equate it to, you know, we have a lot of dual-affiliated members. So like Salem University out of West Virginia is NCAA Division Two, But they won our national championship this past year in the USCAA. So like uh, schools like them, Bluefield State, um, Paul Quinn College at a who's an NAI program at Texas, you know those, those are all scholarship level programs that compete at the NCAA Division Two or uh, NAI level. But like you know the USC is almost like in a way kind of like their, their their NIT. You know like if they don't qualify for their national tournament in the NAI or NCAA Division Two, they'll play in, a, in the USCA tournament. So same thing with Mississippi University for women who we played in the first round. They're NCAA Division Three. And then uh, a lot of the other schools um, at our level are, are scholarship teams that, uh, that that just aren't NCAA members yet, that they might be looking to get into it or, they're, you know, kind of figuring out kind of what their long-term path might be. So it's kind of a, a wide range of opponents that compete at our national level. Um, as far as the apprentice school, you know, we, we kind of play any and everybody. So we play teams from NCAA Division One all the way down to, to Division Two, Division Three, junior colleges, independents. For us, we, we, we schedule who will play us. You know, so every year might look a little bit different. Uh, what I can say is as we've gotten better, scheduling has become a little bit tougher. You know, like some of the NCAA teams that used to play us won't play us now because, you know, if, for their way of thinking, if they're going to schedule a non-NCAA opponent, they're going to schedule something they can beat. And, you know, we, we've gotten better as a program. So, you know, we're, we're not an easy win. You know, we, we were a team that won 21 games last year. So, um, you know, there, there's less teams – reaching out and fielding phone calls about scheduling for us. But, you know, we, we just try to play who, who's available and who will play us. And that's – I love that mentality, play anybody, play anywhere, uh, play anyhow. And I want to get to recruiting because this is a hotbed that I believe that a lot of people are misinformed. Um, I coach, like I said, in my local area, I coach youth basketball, and everybody's talking about, hey, I want to go to college. Hey, I want to play uh, college ball. But yet – you got a school at the apprentice school say, hey, listen, we're here. If you want to play. And that 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 conversation that you that said the kid didn't really get the whole non-tuition versus scholarship. So talk a little bit about recruiting on your side and the the difficult and the challenges of, of building something when there is so many so much 
recruit so much misinformation out there? So yeah, re- recruiting is, is is probably one of the most important things that we do as coaches. You know, that, that's kind of what differs us from from high school, or at least especially um, public high schools that, that maybe don't recruit, or private schools that aren't allowed to recruit. You know, at the college level, we we pick who who's on our roster. You know, we we have to hand select individuals to come to school. So the approach we take at the apprentice school is the same approach that any NCAA school would take. Like we we do attend summer recruiting events. I was in attendance at both live period events. Um, are both live period weekends of this past uh, two weeks, you know, so it's, it's, it's an area where, you know, we, we understand we have to find players that are in theory better than our level to be successful. So, you know, we, we take it seriously, you know, we we're looking for the best players on the floor, you know, we're looking for the guys that, that have partial division two offers or have uh, heavy division three recruitment or NEI recruitment. So those are the kind of players that we're looking for. You know, we take transfers, we take kids out of high school, we take junior college kids. It really doesn't matter. You know, we're we're looking at all levels. We just want kids that are the right fit for us. You know, in terms of the difficulties, I I think that some of the difficulties that we run into is, of course, at the apprentice school, we're, we're a non-traditional route. So you know, we're not the right fit for everybody. You know, there could be a player who who might really like me as a coach, really like our style of play, really like you know our guys on the team, but you know. They, they want to major in something that we don't offer or, or they want to go to a more traditional school where, where they're going to able to have a little bit more free time and, and aren't going to have to really work with their hands. So, you know, that, that kind of makes things challenging. And then also for us, you know, we, we carry, we've been carrying a pretty big roster in the last couple of years. We, we've done a really good job with retention and with bringing in the right students. So, you know, we just haven't had a lot of turnover. You know, we haven't had a lot of people leaving our roster especially with that fifth-year eligibility. So, you know, we brought in smaller recruiting classes where it's like maybe three, four guys max, where in the past we were looking to bring in six to seven to eight people. So, you know, it's just less opportunity for for, for high schoolers or for kids looking for for, for a school. So that's been a little bit of a challenge. But, you know, we we do a really good job of just trying to educate the community and educating different coaches and athletes about what we have to offer here at the apprentice school. So so a little thing that I want to kind of ask you too, Coach, as well, when you are talking, when you're looking at recruit, what are you looking for, like the best player on the floor, but what are some things that are, okay, a good sign when you're at this live event and so you see a guy's playing, and what are some red flags that you say, oh, well, we may not want to get this young man, or this young man may not be for our particular program? Yeah, so the first thing that we're really looking for is size and length and athleticism. You know, so it sounds simple, but, you know, I, I can walk out the door now and I can find a six-foot guard. And, and that, that's no disrespect to any guards around the country. Like, but, you know, they're just a dime a dozen. Like, I can walk out and, I, and anytime I can find a 5'11", six-foot guard to bring in. But I think guys with, with size and length that, 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 that are athletic and can compete at the college level, you know, those guys are a few – few and far between they're, they're harder to come by so i think the first thing is when we attend these these au events or these, these uh high school showcase events or, or tournaments or team camps the first thing that we, we see is size so right away like that that gets your attention um if it's a guard we're looking for somebody that's really skilled really really can shoot it really athletic you know feel they can play at a fast pace and and would be a you know a really good player for our level um i would say red flags that jump out you know like I would say poor body language, someone that's that's arguing with the teammates, arguing with the refs, arguing with the coaches, doesn't really seem to, to be willing to accept coaching or willing to listen to others. 
Um, you know, because for us, you know, like the, we have to have a certain level of maturity for a student to make it through our program. You know, they're they're working a job. They're they're, they're going to have a supervisor. They're going to have, you know, instructors that that, that are going to demand excellence from them. We're going to demand excellence from them as basketball coaches. So, um, like the, those red flags uh, that might be in, in terms of body language or attitude on the court, just the way that they address themselves. You know, the, those are all red flags for us. Um, you know, in terms of things that they might do on the court, you know, we, we want we want good basketball players that, that they know how to play within the system, can share the ball, you know, know how to read screens, you know, read, read defenses. So if it's just a lot of individualized basketball or just bad shots or kind of just like pick up level basketball, you know, with, with you know, that's not within the structure. Like those are typically guys that probably aren't going to be great fits for who I am as a coach. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, I, I definitely – I definitely, I'm very curious. I'm not a college coach, but I've always wondered, okay, how are these college coaches thinking as they're looking at all these AAU uh, tournaments? So one question I do ask a lot of coaches as far as the AAU circuit is do you think that it helps guys get scholarships? Can Do you discover guys at these AAU, these live events, and you offer them, or is it like a mix between uh, going to high school games, building a connection, and then seeing them at the AAU uh, circuit or level and kind of solidify what you already knew from the high school? How, how does that work? You know, you pose a good question. It really, I think it depends on the school and it depends on the level. So, like, every school I, I worked at, the recruiting process has worked a little bit different. At the apprentice school, you know, like for us, we, our program is so unique. We, we really benefit with the relationships with the coaching staff. So I'd say we, we tend to do a lot better with high school team camps and in, uh, in summer leagues and things of that nature. Um, not to say, like, obviously, you know, we do go to the live period events. We do go to AU tournaments. But when we're seeing teams from out of state, out of region, you know, and, and we don't really have a great relationship yet with those coaches, um, it's a little bit tougher to really get involved just because our, our program might almost seem like 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 it's not legitimate to some people uh, that don't really know what we have going on. So we attend those events. You know, we might get a couple looks on some kids out of the region, out of state. Um, local kids, you know, for the most part, we've probably seen them play a couple times. But, you know, for us, we really get a lot of benefit. Like the majority of our kids are from kids that we, we've seen at, at, at high school level events. But AU can help with recruiting. You know, for the most part, AU teams are are kind of handpicked, just like just like college teams are. So you sometimes have a a better combination of players. Or if a kid goes to a high school that's not successful, they can play AU and, and play with some better guys around them. You know, which might help show college coaches what they're capable of doing. Or maybe you put them in front of somebody that might not have gone to see their high school team play. So I, I do think that it's beneficial. I, I think for every school, you know, if I was at another school. You know, it might be even more serve more of a purpose for it. But for us, you know, we we do really well with with a lot of a lot of high school events here. And then a couple more questions, Coach. Uh, this has been a great, insightful interview, not only for me, I'm pretty sure for the audience that's listening. I want to talk a little bit about junior varsity basketball at uh, the collegiate level. Something that I'm not saying is taboo, <laughs> but it's not highly talked about. And I hear stories about how kids are getting recruited to play junior varsity uh, basketball, which, you know, then it's a grind to kind of get up to the varsity level. I got two questions for you. My first question is, uh, does the apprentice school have a JV program? And my, my second question, since you 
since you coach the JV program, do you see the benefit of bringing JV on at a, at a, at a level where colleges can bring more kids in and develop them since the kids are staying longer? Yeah. So, yeah, so the first part of your question, we do not have a JV program at the apprentice school. At times, I wish we did. You know, we've carried a bigger roster, and there's a lot of kids that are really interested in coming here. You know, we, we just don't have more than 20 uniforms, so we're, we're not going to carry more than 20. But, you know, I do see the benefit of JV basketball at the cost level. Uh, what people have to realize is, for one, it, it's an enrollment thing. You know, like a lot of people are wondering why more and more schools are having JV programs, and it's to bring more people in the door, you know. The majority of NCAA Division II, Division Three, and NAI programs are tuition-driven. So the more students on campus, the more money for that school. So that that's the reason why schools have a JV program. Um, in terms of development, you know, I think it's good. You know, I think for now, like we talked about, that there's less opportunities for kids to go on and play in college. So if you're a guard who kind of has a lower level of recruiting, you know, the JV program gives you an opportunity to at least show what you can do, at least an opportunity to be coached, go through a college structure, and, and, and work your way onto a team. You know, it's a little bit more unconventional, but, you know, for someone that, that has talent and has a work ethic, they have a chance to earn themselves a roster spot. Um, I will say that the majority of kids who play JV basketball will probably never move up, to, to be completely honest, just because the coaches at, at those schools are going to continue to recruit players to that, 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 that are, that are you know, going to come ready to make the roster right away. But that doesn't mean that doesn't happen. You know, like I, I've seen, I've, I've worked at, like you said, I coached JV basketball at Elmira College, and we had kids that would move up to varsity um, based on injuries or positional needs or based on, you know, like strong performances in JV games. So that does happen. It is a chance to develop. And I think from a, a staffing standpoint, if you're a young coach, like I was I was probably 22, 23 when I coached JV basketball for the first time. And I got a chance to diagram practice, run my own sets, um, run it like a real program. So I got, I got that experience as a young coach. So I, I think that, you know, it, it does serve a purpose. But I think it's, it's important to be transparent with kids, you know, to let them know, like, it's not a guarantee that they're going to come in and make the varsity right away or, or move up, you know, the following year. Like, this is – they're going to get an opportunity – but it's not a guarantee, and, and the real reason behind it is it's is, is a tuition thing. It's, it's to bring more revenue into the school to help support the, the school and the athletics department. Okay, great insight. I always wanted that. I, I love talking with people that, that kind of knows the, that information because it, it educates me. And uh, my last question, Coach, is this. if a, Let's say a kid, I, I'm, I'm based out of South Carolina. Let's say a kid hears this podcast say, oh, well, you know, maybe maybe he hears it this year, maybe here in a couple of years. What is the best way for him to uh, uh, build a, a relationship? Because some kids are not getting the looks. They may not be at these AAU tournaments, but they, they may be interested in, hey, you know, I may want to go to the printing school. I may have what it takes to, you know, uh, play here and also get a, get a trade. What is the best way for this kid to to reach out to build a relationship? I'd say at this stage, probably Twitter. Um, I mean, I'm checking Twitter probably more frequently than even email, you know. So I would say that's probably the best path. Now, now, do I get back to everybody? No. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm imperfect in that regard. Like, I have a lot of responsibilities here at the apprentice school with the athletics department and missions. I have a family. You know, I have, I have 20 players. I have three staff members that coach with me. So 
I my, my time is, is is limited, but you know, I try to get back to as many people as I can, especially kids that I feel like if I watch the video, that can help us. Um, but I would say Twitter is a great platform to start building a relationship with. You know, like I said, you know, like every year we have different positional needs. So, you know, if, if I, I'll probably have, you know, a heavy volume of 5, 10, 5, 11 guards that reach out. And we, we just don't have space for all those guys. You know, like if I had a JV program, we could probably take more. But, you know, if you're 6, 3 and above, you know, we're probably at least watching your film right off the bat. But, but Twitter is a great platform. Um, I would say also we really trust the opinion of coaches. So if you play for a high school team, having your coach reach out, like I, I pretty much 100% of the time almost get back to, or maybe not 100, but close to close to 100%, I get back to any, any coach that reaches out. Just because I, I really respect the profession, I respect their opinions. And, uh, you know, even if it's somebody I don't know as well, you know, I try to be pretty transparent about what we're looking for, you know, and if, if, if their kid can help us or not, you know. So, that's kind of kind of the the easiest way, you know. I do have email. I do have you know kind of the information available on our school website, but um, Twitter is probably the, the fastest way to get a response. Okay, coach. I know I, I said one last question. I have one more, and this is uh, this is just popped up my head. Highlight tapes. How should a kid break down his highlight tape? Do you do you one where he just has you know music and clips of him? Uh, driving the baseline, shooting free throws. Um, what is the best way to get highlights to you where it's not 10 minutes of highlights, but what is the, the, the good – how do you want the highlight packages sent to you if you're on Twitter strolling? You you got a whole bunch of people hitting your, your, your feed up. What is the best way to get your attention with the highlight tape? Well, I think for one, you know, if you can kind of embed the video into the tweet, so like where it kind of just plays without really having to click on it, because like sometimes, you know, you don't know if it's spam, like you don't really want to click on too many links. So I think that that can be an issue with like maybe Huddle or YouTube on occasion. But, you know, if it's embedded and, uh, you know, I think a two minute, 20 second clip, which I think is a Twitter limit, is a good size for, for being able to figure out if a student can play. Uh, I'd say in terms of what you want to showcase, I think you want to showcase what you do well. So, like, if you're a shooter, you know, you, you should show yourself making shots. You know, if you're an athlete, you should show yourself getting to the rim. You know, I think, you know, for me, like, if I'm going to release a highlight tape from the apprentice school, I'm always going to start the highlight tape with a couple dunks. Like, pe- people, you know, they, they, that shows athleticism. It kind of gets the attention of the person, just the wow factor. Um, I, I'm not a guy that I don't, I don't really need to see free throws. Like, I can pretty much look up stats to see how you shoot free throws. Defense is cool, but like that can't be like you're, you're, you're hopefully you don't have like a two minute video of just solely taking charges like that. That's cool and everything. But like, you know, realistically, we, we want to see if you can also put the ball in the hoop a little bit. too. you know, offense, offense kind of kind of kind of piques people's interest a little bit. You know, you want to want to make sure someone's an offensive threat out there. Um, so I think those those are the best ways, you know, just keep it short, direct the music. I don't really care. The music, no music. Um, like, I, I don't really listen to a lot of music with a ton of profanity, so, like, that's not really my style. But, you know, if you have it and it's, it's whatever, I'll just mute it. So that's not really an issue. But, you know, just to showcase what you can do and, and be able to play. Okay, Coach, uh, can you give the, the tweet? Your your Twitter uh, file would be in the blog. But also, could you say it so that people that are wanting to get more information about you, uh, give them your Twitter feed? Yeah, so my Twitter account is Coach underscore Key, and my last name is spelled K-E-E. So, um, to my knowledge, I'm the, like, the, the, there's no other Coach underscore Key on Twitter. I think I have that. Uh, 
So if you look that up, you should be able to find me. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Coach, so much. This is uh, Coach Key, Evan Key. He is the head basketball coach at the Apprentice School, uh, a very phenomenal program, uh, building a unique situation. I have not heard about a college that's doing what the Apprentice School is doing. Uh, so thank you, Coach, so much for everything. Not a problem at all. Not a problem again. Thank you for your time. Always wanted to talk about the Prince School and our opportunity. So very much appreciate the opportunity to, to spread a little bit of our, our message to, to some other people. Thank you, Coach, for, for everything. Thank you. All right. Not a problem. Thank you. All right.